We're going to dump into the Console Crusade podcast right now with your hosts, EJ Olsen and Nick Durheim. We haven't even counted down yet, so I don't know why you're introing. Oh my God, <laughs> count me down, hurry up. Trick is something a whore does for money. There we go. Now, now, my friend, we are going to dump into the Console Crusade podcast. I am EJ Olson. You are Nick Durheim. We're talking today. Before I say anything, Nick, before you say anything, we're going to tell the people where to find us. It's on the internet. All right? Oh. ConsoleCrusade.com. You've been there before. It's my homepage. You've been in it. And it's been in you. We're intimately involved with the internet. You can email us questions, comments, concerns. Talk to us on the internet. Feedback at ConsoleCrusade.com. Find us on Twitter. He jiggle and press till death. Talk some shit to us, with us. It's gonna happen. I, I gotta get that out of the way, Nick, now because by the end, you know, people aren't listening to it. You know, they aren't listening to us at the end, but they're listening to us now. One can hope. <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> we have no listener mail this this month or this week. This not this month either. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Not this year. We haven't had an email all year. We do have Caitlin from Simplecast. Your episode's ready. Great. Oh, great. Thanks. Feel good about that. Nick, tonight we're, is a last-minute fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pant podcast. Isn't it always? Well, you know, you know, uh, you know. Yes. Mostly, yeah. Nothing's changed for us, right? Since last week, we're playing the same games. You're playing Xenoblade, I'm playing Spyro. I haven't had a lot of chance to play much of anything. Been busy, you know. The new pupper? Yeah, new pupperino, and uh, she's uh, quite a handful. In fact, if you're lucky, you might even hear her crying. From the other room. Oh my goodness. Puppies, man. Does it take you back to when, like, oh, I remember when the day you guys got Sadie at the, the old mountain festival out in Sandy. Mm-hmm. I remember that because I wanted a dog so bad. And I said, mom, I want a dog. And then you guys got the dog. You got the dog. Yeah, it was different because obviously it was the four of us. My brother and I were off of school because we got her during summer. Right. So everyone was home. Everyone was around. It was a lot easier to kind of keep an eye on her, take care of her. I mean, obviously different breeds are... are gonna act differently so sadie was a labrador like spaniel mix mm. so she wasn't quite as uh chewy right away like she she chewed on stuff she got oh my god she would crawl under the chairs and like tear <laughs> apart the upholstery from beneath my mom would throw away like three different chairs oh my god just gosh. because of sadie and daisy chews on stuff too but i feel like she's a little bit more aggressive about it in certain ways like she's going after cords which sadie never did and that's terrifying because you do not want a dog to chew through an electrical cord no. and like <laughs> electrocute themselves. That's terrifying. The bad news. What kind of dog is it? It is a dachshund mixed with a beagle known colloquially as a doxel. So a cute dachshund is what you're saying. I mean, we don't know how much, uh, how many like traits of each breed which she's going to take until she's older because I think her mom was the dachshund and she mm. was a long haired dachshund. So we don't know how long her hair is going to be, but she's got really cute sort of modeled markings. Got the the little freckles on her paws and stuff. Very sweet. Was this a spur of the moment thing or was this a calculated, like, I think we're ready to to adopt another animal? It had been sort of in the talks for the past year or so. Okay. And that's part of the reason why we had been working on the backyard is making it more dog friendly, trying to get fences set up on the both sides so we can just let her run around and stuff. It's funny because my first dog was named Sadie. Our new puppy is named Daisy. And Leafs, two of Leafs beagles were Daisy and Sadie, and then the boy was Buddy. <laughs> Buddy. So we're almost, we're almost to the third, the trifecta. Oh my goodness! 
Well, when you have your first kid, you'll name it Buddy. <laughs> Please don't let me do that. Well, Nick, last week we talked. What the heck did we talk about? We mostly caught up about like what happened over the two-week break that we didn't see each other. We just talked about the games we played and things kind of you know sprawled from there. But yeah, we, we had our Christmas catch-up. We talked a little bit about Smash Bros. and upset some people maybe. Leaf, you know, the usual. Leaf texted us and said, EJ, I'm going to kick your ass or EJ, I'm going to kill you or something to that effect. He did threaten murder on you. Was that I what it was? About that. <laughs> was that what it was? <laughs> yeah. He was not happy about some of the things I said on the podcast. You were calling him out quite a bit. You were, you were being a little bit malicious to the poor boy and he's not here to defend himself. Was so. I? I have no recollection of this, if I'm being honest. I, I don't doubt I that I did. I listened back and I heard maybe three incidents separated <laughs> three? where you... May have called him a piece of shit, or I don't know. You called him an idiot at some point. I don't think you know, I did usual. that. Did I do that? I gotta text him now. I don't. I don't recall that. If I did, the Lee, standard, the standard casual malice that only you can spit out. Only me. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh my goodness. I listen. I was shaped to be this way. It's true. Society. Society made you. Uh, it's time for me to unmake you. Oh my goodness gracious, Nick. What do you think about my beard going on right now? It's coming in. It's looking a little bit better. It's hard to tell over the webcam. I mean, we don't have a very good, great connection, so it's not like I'm getting at you at a full like 1080p or whatever. Yeah, it's not great, dude. Two weeks in, it's not great. It's uh, as ginger as ever. Uh, That's good. Can I tell you, so uh, Saturday night I went out, a couple fellas, and one of them, Landon, we'll call him, real ginger, like real just as ginger as you can be. Okay. Right. And he was talking and he's a goofy guy. He's a funny guy. He he'll like he'll you know, he's pretty self-deprecating as as one has to be in in 2019, right? If you're going to if you're going to get along in this world, you got to be self-deprecating. So he's talk, he he talked some shit about I went on a Tinder date and then she met me and realized I was a ginger and whatever the story was. And I said, "Dude, don't feel bad. I'm also a ginger." You know, and I pointed to my beard, which is definitely mostly red. And he looks at me and it was just mostly in jest initially, our whole conversation. He just fucking stops. He looks at me, he puts his drink down. He's like, fuck you, man. You're a fake ginger. You're a ginger who only brings it up when it's like convenient in a conversation. You're not a real ginger. You don't know what I've been through. And he was so serious about I mean, this. it's true. You are basically, you're brunette passing ginger. Yeah, no, it's totally true, man. Because my hair is really, there's no red. Whereas like my brother... My brother's got the red on the sides of his head here, but he's still brunette. Um, my beard's just fucking shitty in, in red. But he's I was like, I was like, damn, dude, I struck a nerve. I mean, you're right. You're not wrong. Like, you're right. I don't mean to be like, I'm not trying to sneak in on the fucking like the hierarchy of like oppressed. You know what I mean? When it comes to right, like, yeah. Yeah, that's not what I'm trying to do. I was just trying to make you feel better, you ginger piece of shit. <laughs> so fuck you then. So that was funny. I guess that it didn't work. Yeah, that was a hoot. <laughs> that, that backfired greatly, didn't it? But anyway, Nick, what the hell are we talking about today? You made the list. You give me a rundown. Give me a run of show, and then we'll jump into this. It's been a pretty productive week as far as news goes. Shockingly so. Yeah, I think it was maybe the middle of last week, I think it was Thursday that we got news about Bungie and Activision. Oh yeah. And then maybe a day later we got some weird sort of tidbits about Gearbox and their some, cause Randy Pitchford is like the CEO of Gearbox had this weird thing last year where he had a personal servant who stole some millions of dollars from his wife's restaurant or something. And this all sort of weird falling out there. And then I guess uh, their lawyer, 
st- accusing him of taking $12 million uh, as, as called a bonus or something. And then this whole thing with a, uh, the, the thumb drive, drive being found at medieval times. Jesus Christ. Which had personal work files on it in addition to some perhaps underage pornography. We don't as know. Accusations say we don't know. We don't, we know. don't know this person. But it could be they could be any age. The conjecture surrounding it. <laughs> Not even conjecture, but Randy Pitchford was on a, a podcast specifically for magicians and he was calling what this What the uh, fuck? <laughs> porn which was a like a chat room chat girl one of those one of those freelance ladies where she was uh, doing some squirting or something and he referred to it as a inspiration for like a a magician's trick she was he was like this is this woman is performing magic on camera and that was his excuse (laughs) right my favorite part about that was the women on twitter who were like spoiler alert it's not a magic trick (laughs) a good day in fucking gaming journalism (laughs) like what a hoot. Then, like, you know, we've got news about some SNES classic files showing up oh, on the yeah. NES Online oh, with additional yeah. emulators being talked about. So I figure we'll probably chat about that quite a bit. And then some other stuff we get around to it. But, yeah, that's just sort of some of my compiled list of news. Yeah, all of these I saw this week. You know, like I said, I've had a busy week, busy weekend. I worked the whole weekend, but I I saw all of this. I tried to kind of kind of keep appraised of it. So that we could actually sit here and have a chat. But today, you know, you are educating me to a point. So let's let's start with this Destiny thing first. This I did see and I did read about. This was, I think, for a lot of people, a really good moment, right? People people were really glad, like, Bungie is now completely uninhibited by this major publisher. That is not what I thought when I saw this news. I thought this was a really bad sign for the franchise. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a 10-year agreement and, and, and rollout plan for Destiny content, right? Which started in 2010, so that's like cutting it off a year, year and a half early, depending on what the timing on that is. Wait, it started, I, thought the, I thought it started from the first release. They had a decade of content planned. No, because the first release was, what, 2013, 2014? No. And they'd been working been on that early. game for a few years, so. Okay, all right, so... That so then this doesn't seem too crazy then because I thought it was like you know from its from its release you know that's 2014 you're looking at like okay this no is- because Activision paid Bungie I want to say 250 million or 500 million initially and that's just to get the game started you know that's that's hiring the yeah the people to work on it that's that's development costs and that development happens before the game comes out and then also I think a lot of people are piling on this not only because of disinterest or dissatisfaction with the the product in Destiny 2 and their DLC rollout and like everything associated with the live game and the active community. But also Activision Blizzard has been making a lot of weird choices lately and a lot of people are sort of churning on them and churning them into a whipping boy because of Diablo Immortal or because of the weird bonuses being handed out to their leadership or uh, there was another thing where someone uh, got or there was a there's a sexual assault accusation or an assault but like harassment accusation and it's just been like the hits keep coming right and people are sort of getting tired of the same old song and dance from Activision Blizzard and they think it's negatively affecting Blizzard and obviously Bungie is not owned by Activision but they had this long-term publishing deal and they think that okay maybe the problems that Destiny has had could be acute like it could be the fault of Activision 
that's an interesting way to look at it because so much of what Activision has done has just been pure gold. But they do suffer from like it's the fucking EA syndrome. Financially, yeah. And I feel like a lot of the player base has been pretty I guess accepting of the the models. I mean, you get people complaining about how Call of Duty monetizes, but there's a very vocal minority in that aspect because clearly it's still printing money. It's the biggest game every year. Every single year. Even when it's not like up to their own standards, it's still making shit tons of money. Buku bucks, man. Bungie fans will be excited about this because, again, it's like Bungie gets to do what they are best at completely unencumbered going forward. But to me, this reads as more of a, hey, you guys lost an audience. You lost your money. Where do you go from here? And, and how can you convince us that it's up? It's it's anything but, right? Well, as far as losing money, you're also forgetting that last summer NetEase, a Chinese like publisher and just basically media conglomerate, dumped $100 million into Bungie specifically. Really? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I mean, that could be their foothold into the East and trying to propagate their brand in the into China and other Southeast Asian countries where this kind of live service game is always the hotness. And I'm sure there's like a hundred Bungie or like Destiny clones out there as it is. So if we get the real thing, maybe that can help them sort of maintain financial income. hundred million, man. Which only gave them a like a minority stake in the company itself. Right. I do have to say, just because I read the tea leaves here and I think this, this probably means the end for what we know this franchise to be and the capacity that it is, it, you know, in this part of the world, you know, who knows, but I really remember fondly my time with destiny, hundreds of hours playing, you know, after the taken King came out, really putting in literally hundreds of hours over the course of, of maybe six months, um, you know, taking King and fuck was iron, <laughs> Iron, Iron Throne, Iron Banner, something Iron, like that. Some, something with the wolves or something. Oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, Bungie and their naming is so ludicrous. I hate it. They can't write They can't write a story. They can just name everything in the story. <laughs> right? It's so it's true. It's so awful. It's so true. But I, I just, it was it was a really refined gameplay loop. Not not just the, the loot grind, which was S-rank right up along, you know, next to Diablo. Or something of that nature. But also the gunplay was the, in my opinion, and of course I'm not like a competitive shooter, like, you know, but I've played a lot of these games from the Call of Duty to the Halos to the whatever. Destiny had some of the most refined gunplay, period, across gaming history. It was, it was, it felt so good. It was the best of Halo, it was the best of the Call of Duties, uh, all in this like sci-fi package and like, the game always had its its shortcomings, like the lore and the story. It was rough. The characterizations up until a certain point in the DLC was just non-existent, and you just you know you had nothing to latch onto. But the loop got you, and then they 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 learned from their mistakes. They listened to their player base, and they refined it. Destiny Two, lot of quality of life improvements. You know some of the changes weren't as widely accepted, but then they came came at us with Forsaken, and of you know. I can't speak to this too much because I just didn't get onto Destiny 2, unfortunately. But um, Forsaken was really well recepted. I mean, actual fans of Destiny were very happy with that iteration and how it improved upon the experience. But of course, commercially, like that ship had sailed. 
uh, and that sucks. Like a game like that, a living game, it's constantly evolving, and it is obviously so dependent on a an active, vibrant player base. It's if you lose that for any reason, it's hard to get it back. Right, and Activision has very high standards when it comes to their releases and how much return on investment they're getting. Right, and a long term game like that, they're not used to that sort of long term both work and income. So you see that you've seen them actually doubling down on Blizzard and saying, "Hey, you need to cut some of your your um, long term expenditures, especially with something like Here's the Storm. They're cutting off a lot of the esports sort of." money that blizzard's been dumping into that and they're saying hey blizzard we need to get more releases you can't just keep doing your one game every four years sort of strategy it's not it's not looking good in our books our investors aren't happy with that because they see you see a call of duty releasing every year and being literally the best-selling game of that year right every year it's hard to sort of uh justify these long-term investments it's interesting to see because you look you know in our eyes it's like Activision Blizzard, I mean, Blizzard has had so much success between the Hearthstone and the Overwatch and the Warcraft. They have set the standard for these types of games over and over. Not just money, but like the quality of the product and the fan bases. The engagement. Approval. Yeah. Yeah. Engagement and approval. Totally. Destiny, obviously, I'm sure they bled money at some point with, with, with Destiny 2 and like that sucks, but... You know, it didn't matter how how they turned things around. It didn't matter because they didn't have the numbers to prove that people were engaged or that they cared or that this could become profitable again. So, and it's not even that it wasn't profitable. It's always the amount of profit and the amount of right. work you're spending to get that profit, and like the the hiring sprees and the like all that wrapped up and say is the percentage high enough, or if the percentage is not high enough, is the just gross high enough? How right. much is it making as opposed to, you know. You see this frequently in Hollywood where this kind of plucky $5 million horror movie ends up making $100 million. Right. And people are like, why isn't every movie like that? Why can't you spend a small amount and get a huge amount back percentage-wise? And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. A company would rather spend $300 million and make $600 million and have a 200% you know, return on investment, but you're getting $300 million. It's about the time spent also. And I think Activision sort of not they don't have a congruent sort of game plan and vision for the end product that Bungie does. Yeah. And Bungie, luckily they've actually walked away from this, uh, relationship with Activision with the IP rights. So Bungie actually can keep making destiny games. That's not the case with halo. Halo is still owned by Microsoft and they can't reference that at all. And people have been saying, well, does this mean that Microsoft is going to try and get Bungie back? And that's not likely because they walked away in the first place, but It'd be interesting to see what ends up happening in the future because Bungie's talking about self-publishing, but that's a lot of work and they might not have the infrastructure in place for that. So it'd be interesting to see if they get a partnership with WB or 2K or EA and what that might mean as far as their money and also the sort of how people view it. Because it'd be really cool if they could nail it with themselves. I think that would get a lot of goodwill, especially if the product is nice because that means, hey, Activision is the pure scapegoat in this scenario and all the gamer rage and the heated commentary on YouTube that's inevitable to happen can just be focused purely on the big bad and Bungie could be the plucky underdog that has 400 employees and makes a billion dollars a year. <laughs> right. So what's next for them? Like you said, so I see this and I, my immediate thought is Activision is unhappy, like you said, with the return on investment. But how much of this is 
Bungie saying, whoa, the grass might be greener. We got this investment from this other company. That's a lot of money. If we shift our focus to a different market or a different strategy with how we're developing our games, you know, what if this is more Bungie wanting to do their own thing? And it just, just, just worked out that way. Right. And I don't have the kind of information. I, I haven't watched enough interviews or read enough about what their sort of goals are long-term to sort yeah. of prognosticate on that and see, okay, I think this means that Bungie wants to make a new IP or I think, you know, I, I don't know, but I would imagine that if they left Activision, it seems like Activision has been showing that they want to make new games. They want to keep, they want more yearly games. They want more, more products as opposed to more long-term ones. But I think this means that Bungie is probably going to be working on Destiny 2 for a long time and that you're not going to see a new IP from them in a while. Yeah. But also with a new generation coming up soon, I would imagine they want to have a new thing on the new systems, whether that be a big new expansion for PS5 or Xbox 2, or if that means <laughs> Destiny 3, I'm not sure. Yeah. I would imagine it's more likely that you're getting an expansion on Destiny 3, and that includes 60 FPS update on console and all this kind of fancy stuff that would really right. please the hardcore base, but wouldn't necessarily be a a talking point from Activision standpoint, you know? Yeah. So, but I don't know. I mean, it'd be, I'm interested. It's very interesting to see a big company. I mean, they weren't owned by Activision by any means, but just to see them separate from uh, one of the biggest publishers in the world is interesting news. And it's, it's a big shakeup. And I think it speaks more poorly to how Activision Blizzard has been handling their shit lately than it is Bungie and their ability to make a great game. It's so interesting to see, over and over, and I, and this is I, I'm I'm speaking just to this industry, but you see it all across business. But in this industry specifically, you see these monolithic companies sort of dominate the industry or dominate their niche of the industry, and they develop this hubris that inevitably becomes their absolute downfall, and then suddenly they're playing catch up in order to to hopefully reclaim their spot at the top. And it's ha- happened with Nintendo multiple times. It's happened with Sony. It happened to Microsoft last generation. It's definitely been the like, quote-unquote downfall of EA. Yeah. Or even companies like Rockstar. They used to make a game every year, every two years, and now they make a game every six years. It used to be that you'd get tent poles and that would support the other kind of ventures. But then you know it waters down. It boils down to the point where it's only tent poles. Right. And I've been saying this for a long time, as development costs get higher and higher, it's either they're going to collapse under their own weight or you're only getting games every six years from AAA publishers and everything else is indies. Right. But when we've seen the AA market evaporate because mobile came in and took away the, the lowest common denominator, you're not getting moms buying $10 games for their son because it's the cheapest thing and THQ made some weird SpongeBob spinoff. Everything's going <laughs> to the phones. Yeah. So it's a really interesting uh, marketplace out there right now. Ever I mean, we're probably not going to talk about it, but we heard something from Nintendo's president last week talking about how, you know, they want to be flexible. And if the future dictates that video game consoles are no longer popular enough to justify creating them, that they would be willing to look into mobile and look into other markets. And people are sort of, you know, saying the sky's falling, the sky's falling. Nintendo's not making another console because, you know, yeah, that's silly. Creates clicks. And that's an easy thing to write about and say, hey check it out we got a hot take on this too right like you know whatever i think it's just companies sort of trying to adapt and work to the market at hand because everything's constantly changing it's changing really quickly it's hard to change plans when you're making a game that that takes five years to make yeah the the whole nintendo thing that 
we don't need to dive too deep into that, but it was sensationalized, right? It, people grasped onto those headlines and, and exactly the sky is falling. But it was someone just being sort of introspective and honest and saying, we're a games company. And at the end of the day, we want to and will continue to make games. So if that means the market pushes us this way, like we're still going to make games. It's just a matter of how, how does that landscape evolve and how do we navigate it? Like we're going to. Yeah, it's no wonder that these companies aren't more honest with the the public in general, because every time they say something uh, nearly just approaching honesty, everyone just freaks the fuck out. Yeah. So obviously. And and of course, they're going to make a console after the Switch because the Switch has been a runaway success. If the next console fails, then who knows? You know, we'll see what happens if they do the Wii U 2. We don't know. But right now. I think for Nintendo, they need three failures in a row. They (laughs) really have to know. I mean, they got Virtual Boy, then N64, which was both bad. But then Game Boy Color and Pokemon hoisted them back up. Well, that's the thing is their console line has been on a mostly steady decline since the NES. Except for like outliers like the Wii. The Wii. And then it's just their game, it's their handhelds that have really been holding them up. We we both agree on that, yeah. that fact. Yeah. The handhelds kept them afloat while they... You know, even even if you want to look and say like, oh, the N64 was amazing or the GameCube was amazing, they steadily did less and less numbers. They did fewer and fewer thing sales. The thing is, though, is they weren't making all that much money off of hardware sales, but their software sales have always been pretty stellar. Yeah. Sony first party is only recently starting to catch up in the PS3 and now PS4 era that they're actually making money you know what's fucked off up? of software. I was just looking at numbers, man, and reading about the last console generation and Everyone thinks that Microsoft won far and away. And they, while they had they had the head start, I think, uh, with a year on PlayStation, and then the PS3 had a, just a terrible launch and way too overpriced, and it took them all out the course correct, the PS3 still outsold the Xbox 360. Like, the PS3 won that generation still. And it, you can well, argue... I mean, the Wii won that generation, if you're talking just hardware numbers. Because I think 360 still beat out PS3 pretty handily in software. And then especially in the in the West, like in America, I think they still outsold uh, PS3. But also Xbox introduced uh, services with having monthly fees with Xbox Live Gold. And yeah. I think that also was like a huge boon for them. But then again, you look at it and in Sony's eyes, like, well, we did just as fine. But then we came into this and we've now outsold the competition three to one. And we're encroaching. We're fucking 100 million units this year, dude. 2019, they're going to have 100 million units. It's fucking insane. It's happen. It'll be the second best-selling home console. It's unbelievable because this generation was supposed to be the last console generation. You know, this is supposed to be, it was going to mark an end of an era and this shifting tide in, in the games industry and it's going to be this whole new thing. Instead, all it's done is set us up for another generation of doing the exact same thing. Nothing's going to change next generation. There's too many invisible hands affecting the market that it's impossible to figure out That's crazy. what's going to happen. I mean, if, if you'd asked me five years ago, I probably would have said, you know, I don't think this console generation is going to do so hot just because of how everything had been sort of on the decline. You know, it's it's tough. Man. There's so many sort of things that make you think, oh, this doesn't look good for Microsoft. This doesn't look good for Sony. This doesn't look good for Nintendo. But then they just keep surprising us. So I think it's cool. It's really amazing. I, I got to tell you, it blows me away thinking how time just has flown by. I remember six years ago. Sitting, you know, I had just moved back into my parents' house. And I was back with them for, for six, seven months. And I so vividly remember I was working graveyards and I got off work and I came home and I ate dinner about eight, nine in the morning. And I laid in bed and I waited for the Microsoft uh, conference. And if I recall, they were the first to announce 
the next gen console. And I remember sitting there in bed, popping the TV on and streaming that conference. So stoked. Like what's next? Because I had just really, this is 2013. So I had just really reconnected with, with video games and was really starting to play them again. And I was playing my Xbox quite a bit, you know, GTA just come out. And so I was playing my Xbox, especially. Uh, and I just remember just that moment. I can't believe it, it was six years ago and seeing how, you know, they fucking obviously laid a giant egg and Sony, dude, you know, <laughs> yeah, the biggest egg just of all up. time. I remember Twitter after that, man, like, oh, dude, it just, what a trip. That was six years ago. Especially since the day after that, Sony comes out on stage and just cooks that egg, just yeah. scrambles that egg scrambles into a nice omelet. Like, they, dude, up. they just turned it around. This is how we share games. Like, dude, that's what I love about E3. <laughs> fucking brilliant, dude. Just like. Some real petty drama between... And the Wii U was out, but nobody had it. Dude, that was a weird time. You know what? <laughs> I got my Wii U that year uh, with... What, Mario Kart? No, 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 no. That was before Mario Kart. Mario Kart came out in uh, 14. Or no, 15. I thought... No, that was not 2015. That was before Smash. Splatoon was 2015. That was like the only release that was really notable that year. Except for, I think, Mario Maker was in a 2015 also. You're right. Was... was, was uh Mario Kart 8 was May. Was it May 14? It, it No, it literally was because I was still living at my parents' house. I moved to Eugene. I, th- I only thought that was 2013 because I think literally nothing else came out 2013. 3D World maybe was 2013. It was May 14. It was May 29th, 14 that it came out in the Wii U. Boy, what a tragedy of a console. <laughs> that, sold, that sold almost 9 million units on the Wii U. That's amazing. Yeah. That's like amazing. a 75% attach rate. That's unbelievable, man. <laughs> like 70 to, yeah, it's everyone had that game on that console. Oh man. Well, hey, let's jump into man, we got this whole gearbox thing and the in the lawsuit and the I have not looked into it too much. And also, who really cares about gearbox? I mean, they fucked up in an aliens game and they put out Borderlands, and now what? Right. They haven't put out a they haven't even announced a Borderlands 3. Who cares? I just thought it was super weird because Randy Pitchford's a weird millionaire who's into magic and has porn on a USB drive. I mean, it's just a weird scenario. Right. No, it's totally a bizarre situation. But pretty much what we said about it is really all there is to say. We don't know much more than that. Jason Schreier went on a fucking, you know, twitscapade this weekend, sort of unveiling some things. They they he put out an article. And Jason Schreier is one of those guys. He's one of the few like actual games journalists. He's a journalist first. And yeah. so reading his stuff and you know his explanation, he's like, "Hey, here here's the story. We didn't put, you know, because like you said, this whole weird thing with the flash drive and the potential child pornography thing, like alleged, like this whole thing, they didn't put that in the lead because it was all it's all hearsay in a lawsuit currently, right? But there's enough, there's substantial evidence based on what this person has said, like you said on this podcast, and like." It's super bizarre, man, but... but It's just really weird. <laughs> it's something that we're going to have to wait for it to sort of unfold, and and we can maybe tackle it next week or the week after. But yeah, there's a lawsuit, and it, it, it really, there's some sensationalist fucking claims uh, in this lawsuit, and so it's something we'll get into as it unfolds, but it, really, what a trip that was. Uh, what was that, Saturday? You sent that to me? Like, oof. Friday or Saturday, yeah. It was yeah. just a weird sort of series of events. And Randy Pitchford's a kind of a kooky guy. I mean, he's one of those one of those guys, you know, like Cliff Blazinski or Lauren Lanning or uh 
David Jaffe where they're just like these dudes that have way too much money and they're they got their money because there's some weird guy who made a, f- a fun game once right and now they they have this weird expectation sort of thrust upon them and now they don't know what to do with themselves so they kind of get themselves into the weird scenarios right not always like this but occasionally well let's move on from this my friend and let's jump into the rumored SNES emulator list found in a data mine on the Nintendo Switch. I got some things to say about this, but before we dive into our thoughts on this, let's talk about the data mine itself and what they found, okay? Right. They found three emulators that they could pinpoint and two unknown. They were named, but they don't know what they were. Is that correct? Well, it, was, it was three additional because they also saw the string for the code name for the NES emulator. Okay. Which they sort of, it's been sort of confirmed that it's the same emulator that they used in the NES Classic and the SNES Classic. Okay. For the code names. That's where they got the those two confirmed code names and two unknowns. So I can't remember what the NES one is, but the SNES is codenamed Canoe or something like that. Sure. And then the two other ones are sort of the speculation territory. So not only do we so we get that list of, of potential emulators baked into the Switch currently, but also a list of games here. And so just to go through this list real quick. Want me to go through them? I want to go through them. Yeah, I want you to go through them. And, and of course, we don't know if this is a, a is this going to, what they're going to be, what they roll out immediately, or is this they're going to release three of these a month for the next fucking 24 months? We don't know what the deal is. But the guy put, you know, he, he put all the proof, man. You know, he, he dumped it on Pastebin or whatever and put everything we need right. to know up there. But uh, give me this list. All right. So there's 22 games, not all first party. Um, not even, I'm just going to read about how he lists them. So we've got Super Mario Kart, Super Soccer, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Demon's Crest, Yoshi's Island, Stunt Race FX, Kirby's Dream Course, Poppin' Twin Bee, Star Fox, Contra 3, Kirby Superstar, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Kirby's Dream Land 3, Super Metroid, Super Mario World, Pilot Wings, F-Zero, Star Fox 2, Super Punch-Out, The Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Super Mario All-Stars, and Breath of Fire 2. Mario All-Stars is a weird sort of include there. <laughs> yeah. But they also don't have Mario World or any... Well, they do have Mario World. But Mario All-Stars, I mean, isn't Mario 2 and Mario 1... Or Mario 3 and Mario 1 are on the NES online as it is. Right. So, I mean, maybe people want to play the weird SNES remakes where the physics are weird and, like, they don't... They look better, but they run weirder. It's and the music's <sighs> kind of uh, remixed. I mean, it's like the first HD remake ever made, right? <laughs> Besides, like arcade sort of ports. That is strange. Here's the alternative. Do you think that maybe there's going to be a return of some kind to a more traditional virtual console, and that these are not going to be rolled out in the same way the NES games are? These will not be subscription based. You don't think that's? I do not think that in any way. Okay. My reasoning is because they found this inside the NES online app. Okay. So it bared a reason that they would just update that app and add them to this and change the name from like NES online to classic online or something like that. My initial thought, Nick, when I see this list is this is a really good place to start. But my concern is that they're going to release like Mario Kart and Super Soccer and like Stunt Race and Contra and be like, here you go. And we're going to be waiting on the rest of these. And that concerns me. Well, I mean, if you look at the initial drop of NES games, it wasn't like that was all hits. Well, the NES also sucks. We've established this. 
Right. But I mean, if we're talking about purely <laughs> from people who like the NES, I mean, those weirdos, then you're looking at maybe a third to a half of those initial launched NES games being like must plays or quality NES titles. You could, you could look at this list and say similarly, I mean, a lot of these games are actually very like well liked and beloved. Demon's Crest surprises me. Yeah, that's a that's a surprise, you know. That's like a weird Capcom spin-off of the Ghouls and Ghosts franchise, right? That's like a sequel to uh what? That's a Gargoyles Quest or something? Something like from that. From a from a NES and Game Boy. And it's a very it's a sought after title, it's a very beloved title. A lot of these games um are either remembered very fondly or actually hold up as a decent game to play. Breath of Fire 2. I mean, that's weird. You're getting a lot of Capcom love, you're getting Konami love, you're getting some is there a square game? I mean, is there Mario RPG? I don't see a single square game. So maybe it's just Konami and Capcom. That's who have been sort of the main supporters of the NES uh, online with the uh, Ninja Gaiden and like Gradius and stuff like that. Sure. But at the same time, there are a lot of Capcom uh, and, and, and Konami staples well, that's that we Tecmo, but aren't seeing uh, on this well, list. Yeah. And part of that is like, you know, Konami just released their new package and, and Capcom just released the Mega Man uh, package. And so they're worth too much to them now i mean virtual console you could get away with like 10 years ago but all these games are being like you said packaged up and sold individually and i'm sure capcom and konami are making way more money by selling it on different marketplaces than they would if they just kept it you know attached to nintendo's weird online subscription service where they're paying literally two bucks a month i mean are you kidding me nobody's making money off of these games so they might as well put out the games that they're not making money off of anyway no one's gonna buy super ghouls and ghosts in the year of our lord 2019 you know (laughs) exactly no exactly and so to that point, this is, you know, it's a good idea to sort of this model, the subscription model, where you're paying a very reasonable price for access to the online. And hopefully that, you know, our investment in, in that leads to a better product. Fingers crossed. It's Nintendo we're talking about. So really, who knows? But 20, 25 bucks a year and you're getting all these games and access to the online, like, this deal gets sweeter by the day. And so if this is real and fingers crossed that this is the initial dump, there's, there's almost no way. I feel like it's going to be a slow rollout, which is kind of a bummer because if this is the sort of master list for what they've got coming, it was just, it's just a weird number like 22. I mean, they've been doing like two or three NES games additionally each month. I wonder if they would do like 10 and then one additional each month after that. Because right. I would round out to a full 12 additional. Um, it'd be cool. I mean, I just wonder if they would add an additional paywall to this. If they would say, okay, if you want your baseline NES online, that's 20 bucks a year. If you want the SNES online, that's an additional 10 bucks. If you want whatever these two other ones is, then you're finally paying an additional $5 on top of that. Or like, what's going on there? Because this is sort of like, I mean, people have been asking for this. And when they first showed or not showed but they first talked about their subscription service they did mention snes games so it would make sense that they would add that and they've been quiet on it because they want that big pop right sort of a drop like oh we finally listened we finally caved to your demands good guy nintendo that kind of stuff yeah nick i'm looking at the next item on our list here and this i had not heard about and i I just read it this evening as we got on to record kind of blows me away uh, Ubisoft forgoes Steam in favor of Epic Games for the Division 2, uh, as well as a few additional uh, select titles. So whatever that actually means, if that is of consequence, we don't know. But probably just the uh, other sort of games that are coming out. Probably not like Far Cry, because Far Cry is so big and sells so much. But stuff like Skull and Bones that's coming out this year, I think they could 
get away with putting that purely on Epic Games. But I mean, even Division, I mean, Division 1 did pretty well for them. I feel like Division 2 is probably going to do better if they can nail that launch. But right. I mean, it makes sense that they would go to the Epic Games Store. We've talked about this before, but the, the monetary split is a lot better. Ubisoft would prefer it if you bought them straight from Uplay, but they know that more people are playing on different platforms. Well, not different platforms, yeah. but they just have a different app installed on their PC. It doesn't really matter to... If you have a PC, you can download the Epic Games launcher in a second. It doesn't matter. Sure. But people are still kind of finicky about the launchers. I mean, it's just whatever. Boohoo. But I mean, if it keeps people from buying your game, then obviously as a publisher, you want to get to as many people as possible. But I wonder if there's any like backdoor dealing if Epic Games is paying... Ubisoft for like quote unquote exclusivity, even though it's not really exclusive. But if they're just like, hey, this will draw more people to our platform. This will draw a different audience to our platform as opposed to just the the plebs who keep playing Fortnite. Yeah, it's something I look at and wonder: Does this say more about Epic Games uh, and and their business model? Slash, are they paying these developers for exclusivity so as to boost their platform, or does this say? Uh, how much you know? How much confidence does Ubisoft really have in the Division Two on this platform? Where right. they say, ah, it didn't do well on PC, so it really it's like, all right, if we can cut a deal, make a little bit of extra cash from Epic and a deal like this, we're not losing anything by not being on the most ubiquitous gaming platform you know in the world because this game just this game just did like shit uh, on right. PC. So I don't know what that actually means. I don't know what those numbers look like, but. This just, I mean, Epic came out of nowhere and said, hey, we're going to challenge Valve and we're going to, excuse me, we're going to do this our way. And they've so far been more gamer friendly. They've been more developer friendly. I don't know if that's sustainable. Obviously, if they're printing money with Fortnite, like I guess they can do whatever the fuck they want. And they've sort of, they've had some misses. They've kind of put the cart before the horse in some regards. Like they've had some weird end user license agreement situations where if you're uploading content through Epic, then you're forfeiting all rights to them that they can use in marketing materials and that kind of stuff or the stuff with their, they're not doing a lot to not like curation, but just sort of siloing and having genres and that kind of stuff to separate games. So you can find games that you want. And they're kind of leaning more heavily on influencers that right. oft tossed about term and having like weird built in stuff where you, you could pay Epic game store and they'll distribute your game to influencers who will then take a cut of, sales that they get through you know referral links and all that kind of stuff so it gets kind of dicey and we don't know how the money kind of shakes out in that regard but i mean just baseline having that 12 percent cut from epic as opposed to the 30 percent that steam takes is clearly going to be a a nice motivating factor for big publishers and small publishers alike especially when it's a blue ocean as it is right now it's like everyone that launched on switch in the first six months had a huge boost just because there's nothing else to play there and I wonder if Epic Game Store is going to have similar things where, okay, there's five games on the front page. There's five games total. You're probably going to be checking out those five games. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I have an inkling. And you may, you bring up a good point where we don't know what the audience looks like for Division 2 if there was really a substantial PC playing audience there. We know that Ubisoft has had great success on PC with Rainbow Six Siege, but we don't know how they do with Far Cry or even the other online games like For Honor or um, the Division 1. So, I don't know. Obviously, there's something in it for them. I, again, I don't know if is is Epic cutting deals. Like, how does that work? Are they allowed to like, hey, we're gonna pay you to host your game exclusively? Like, I don't know how that works. Oh yeah, sure. I mean that that would work. That would clearly be fine, and they wouldn't have to disclose that. 
It just is a matter of what are they paying them? Are they paying just a lump sum? Are they saying, hey, if you host on our site or on our launcher, then that 12% becomes 8% for your first X dollars in sales or uh, marketing deals to say, no, because Ubisoft would be paying Valve money to be featured on the front page. So maybe that marketing, that marketing, uh, those marketing dollars can be spent elsewhere that we put on the Epic Game Store, what their marketing kind of deals looks like is kind of up in the air at this point. I'm not sure if they've even said so. So it's just a different place. They're just trying something out. Yeah. And I might also, if you just really quickly, let me uh, divert you a little bit. It sort of relates to maybe the last item I have in our, our docket here where I saw that steam now has over 30,000 games on its platform. Read, read the headline that you wrote. Cause I got a chuckle out of that. (laughs) I said steam has over 30,000 games. And only 300 of them are in my library. <laughs> Which is actually shocking if you consider how many Steam winter sales we've been through. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's been a chilly winter indeed. But, you know, the the rate at which Steam is accepting new games is appalling. I'm looking at a Steam gift card that my boy E. Jiggle is uh, pressing up against his forehead. I still haven't spent this thing because I can't tell you the last time I logged into Steam and played a game. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, similar, same here. Fully gone console over here, just just because of convenience and time. And yeah, it's nice looking at your new fifty five inch four K TV as opposed to your little dinky twenty seven inch monitor. Uh, come on, are you kidding me? I hook up my TV and play on the TV with a controller anyway. Yeah, well, tell me how convenient that is, and how much time you've spent playing on your PC. That's true. Your your heckin' strong gamer rig, editing rig. Yeah, it's, it was an editing rig first. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. At some point along the way, I just became okay with, I'm really only playing exclusives on the console anyway, so it's not like, oh, I'm missing out. Like, I guess this could be so much better. Like, eh, I don't have an option. Right. But anyway, 30,000 games. That's too many games. That's, like, you couldn't play all those games if all you did from now until you were at 80 was play games. You couldn't play all those and games. Nobody would want to. How many of those games are even worth playing? Just fucking chaff. Like yeah. just the, the fucking dregs where where if if you had the equivalent of, of a platinum trophy on Steam, it would just be fucking trophy chasing titles. Just 20,000 games where all you have to do is click through for 10 minutes, you know, just cancer. Yeah. Even the Wii only had like a thousand games by the time it was done. Really? I think so. That's amazing because the Switch has surpassed that. Well, yeah, but indie games weren't really a thing with the Wii. Indie games have changed yeah. all our metrics. Yeah, yeah. People talking about you know the the PS4 having a ten game install base or like a attach rate doesn't matter when that you can buy games for a dollar yeah that number means nothing now so who cares <laughs> right give me dollar give me dollar sales and then we'll talk right that's so interesting you're right you literally like you could buy I mean I I, I practically did that over Christmas where I fucking bought like seven games for nothing yeah so. The indies on sale. It was, it was literally just fucking pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I was over at Jordan's. There was a game, that, a bad game, but it was on sale for a penny. Yes, I saw that. I was like, I should buy that just to have it, just because everyone else now has it. You cash in that gold, you get gold point, and you have a game. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. Literally, like, that game is now one of the best-selling games in the eShop ever because it went on sale for a penny, and every fucking person over Christmas who got a goddamn Switch or a gift card... They went on and bought it because it was a penny. They just bought it. No one's playing it, but everyone has it, you know? Yeah. So numbers only count when uh, the dollar value is equivalent across the board. Exactly. Exactly. Earlier, Nick, you said you have not 
been able to play much of anything the last week. Uh, just because you've been, you've been a busy boy, getting back to work after your Christmas vacation, dealing with the pupper, the whole right. nine yards. Dude, I had an empty house this weekend. Sarah was out of town for like three nights. And of course, I was trying to track everyone I knew down. Like, yo, I got an empty house. Come down and let's fucking hang out for the weekend. But, you know, everyone's busy and shit. So I ended up getting, I got a ton of work done this weekend. I did my taxes and uh, got some, got, got a lot of editing done. But it was nice because I was like, I, listen, I have no one here to distract me. I have no plans. I have no, I'm just here working. So I'd work for two, three hours. I'd get up, play some Spyro, right? I'm working on Spyro 2 now, which is so much harder, Nick. It is so much harder in the first game. It's really right. testing my patience. And I'm determined to platinum that game and 120% that game because it's so important to me and, and my upbringing and whatever. But it's really, it's testing my limits, man. It's a game where like I am all in on it for like an hour and then I'm just fucking done. And I'll go back to work for a few hours and then, I, and then I'm like, oh, I, I got to go back. I got to do the next world. I got to do the next, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that, but that's pretty much the only gaming I've, I've done this week. Other, you know, just Spyro. Yeah, we're in that, uh, you get that winter lull where not a lot of games have come out. It's a good time to like tackle your backlog if you have one. I mean, you have one. Oh, but boy, I know you've been, I. you've been, uh, you've been into that Spyro. So that's cool that you've been sticking with it and chugging through uh, game two. I was going to ask if it was similar to Crash Bandicoot where the first game was like, Kind of rough, but had a lot of good ideas. And the second game was where it really hit its stride. Is that sort of similar to Spyro? Or are you just saying it's harder and you start with all the same abilities? What's going on there? I would argue that the Spyro trilogy is vastly superior to the Crash trilogy. Crash 1 is a, a, just an absolute mess in every <laughs> way. Maybe in 1999 or 97, that was you know innovative and, and interesting. But again, through the lens of time, it just doesn't hold up. And so the, you know, and they made a great ground up remake, but again, the physics are weird and sort of the depth perception, they hadn't kind of figured out how these 3d games work. And so, you know, through my nostalgia, it works and it's fun. Oh, I'm playing crash too. I remember this, but there are a lot of kind of quirky, weird things about it. Spiral one, again, vastly superior to like crash one, just, just infinitely better. And that's just due to the nature of the, you know due to the kind of how, what kind of game that is right like it's it's a it's a more of a sandbox sort of just collectathon where you can kind of figure out the level how you choose and exploratory as opposed to linear yeah yeah definitely and Spiral One is a game that I played a lot as a kid but was I was so young that I didn't really get it so that it just mostly culminated in me just fucking running around until. I lucked out and hit the end of the level. I just ran around and killed people or killed, you know, monsters and shit. So going back to that game, like, oh, I remember this, I remember that, and I have these vague memories. Um, but beating that game, there was a lot of new content there, and it was it was very, for the most part, very simple. It was very self-contained. So it was like, all right, I go to this world, I'm going to 100% it by collecting X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to move on to the next one. And it was just very much like level to level to level. I beat the game. Spyro 2 has a lot more of like, all right, I have to go to this world and I have to unlock this thing. And then I have to go to the next world and I unlock this ability. And then I have to go back to the first world. And there's it's a little, there's a little more intricacy, a little more, let me learn how to do this thing and unlock this thing and then kind of put it all together. So the difficulty level has been slightly elevated. Um, there's a lot more 
especially in the trophies. The trophies are what kill me because there are things in that, that trophy list that you would never knew existed if you didn't look it up and say, tell me how to do this. It's not so much like, hey, beat this game within the parameter of what this game is offering. It's all these weird extra and like ancillary things that you would never know unless you look it up. And so that's been frustrating because I want to platinum these games, but I'm like, I look these things up and you kind of feel guilty, right? Like there's a pride in not having to, to look something up, Nick. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And a lot of trophy lists are very frustrating in that regard. Um, is it, are the games set up to a way that there's no missable trophies? Can you just play through the game normally and then go back and clean up? Yeah, or is it kind of like, I have to, okay, so that's good then. Yeah. Because if you're playing like Uncharted and you like miss a trophy on your playthrough and you have to go back and like reload a save, that's that's bunk. That's bad news. You know, as as these games have evolved since the inception of the trophy system, developers, I think, have definitely become more cognizant of what it takes to platinum their game and the trophies involved. And you're seeing fewer missable trophies, fewer difficulty-based trophies, even compared to four years ago. Games where like you had to beat them on the hardest difficulty to get that platinum. Things like God of War. God of War did not mandate that you go through and beat it on the absolute toughest difficulty. Spider-Man did not dict- you know, did not mandate that. And that's really good because guess what? I want to platinum this game that for some reason, like this weird system, this incentive system that means nothing, is still so significant to people. And I've bought into it too. It's fucking stupid. Like, shoot me, dude. Like, it's it's just dumb. I don't like it, yeah. but I've bought into it to a degree. And and it frustrates me when I see like, okay, like, hey, man, like, I want to be able to complete this game, quote unquote, complete it without having to play on this completely unfun difficulty. The only fun part about these difficulties levels is when you beat the game and you say, I did that. But along the way- You never have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, there's no fun there. There's zero fun for anybody. Yeah, you still see difficulty-based trophies in games that I think kind of ne- not necessitate, but they it makes more sense for them. Stuff like Doom and Wolfenstein, okay. where it's these hardcore shooters where people playing on the highest difficulty are rewarded with a, a very rare trophy. Right. Or stuff like Bloodborne, where you get every single goddamn thing in that game and you beat all the secret bosses and get all the weird endings and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. That makes sense. That's not necessary for a kind of lowest common denominator 10 million seller like Spider-Man or God of War, the games that are Sony tent poles that everyone's sure. going to have. So I hope there I hope there remains that awareness with developers as they go forward. And, you know, again, I don't understand this incentive system. The trophy system is so fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid, Nick. Like, it's I'm, working on you, though. You got that first taste of Spider-Man, and now you're hooked, dude. Yeah, you know what you're I thought? For. Oh, I'm going to go do you're, God of War. I'm going to do, I'm gonna do like, Horizon. And then I look at the trophy You're not going to beat God of War. You're no. not going to get the platinum in it. Yeah, fuck that shit. Especially all the things I heard about the optional bosses at the end. I'm like, ah, I don't like the game enough to want to do that. You God know? of War. No, they're do- they're doable on easy, but they're kind of a pain. I mean, you could always, they're doable on all the difficulties, but I just didn't feel like engaging with the systems required to either choose them or get the strategies in place. I wanted to play it my way and not the way they wanted me to play it. So right. that was me being stubborn. So I just brute forced it by playing on easy and whatever. I got the trophy. Suck it. Whatever. <laughs> you are. You are a stubborn son of a gun. Hell yeah. But anyway, man, I think we're going to call it there for the console crusade this week. Uh, you know, we, we didn't think we we're going to get this in, man. We tried to record yesterday, but you got stuck with the pupper. And then tonight, I was fucking working all night, but we managed to barely squeak it in. It is now 10.03 p.m. 
uh, I need to be like definitely be in bed and you have to work in an hour. So we're going to uh, wrap this up. I'm going to commission you to create an intro for this episode. I don't know what the intro should be. Do you have any ideas, my friend? Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, but that that's that, man. It's the Concert Crusade, man. Where, tell them where they can find us. I, I, I opened the pod with that, but we're going to end it. We're going to bookend it, my friend. We're going to bookend it so they know. We have a website. It's concertcrusade.com. You can email that website where we'll read it at feedback yeah. at consulecrusade.com. You can follow right. us on Twitter at console yeah. underscore crusade. Go, you can follow man. EJ at EJiggly. You can follow Boom. me at Fresh Till Death. Let's go. And if EJ edits this right, then you're going to be able to hear both of us perfectly without having this weird scream happening in the background. Yeah.